This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so two two things that happened this week we're going to talk about, and then we're going to get into the parsha. Okay, so first I want to go to this past week's parsha. Okay, which is parsha Shlach. And we spoke last week about the whole grasshopper effect. If a person thinks he's a grasshopper, if he, if he thinks he's a grasshopper, he projects that he's a grasshopper. And even if you tell him that he's, even if you tell him that he's something else, he will not believe you. <coughs> this week, of course, Pasha Kraft. But I want to talk about Avtaira. Avtaira, last week's Pasha, Avtaira talks about the Meraglim that went into Yisrael that Yehoshua sent. He sent two Meraglim. You know who they were? Kalei ben Yifuna and Pinchas. The whole thing that she was a Gilgal. I don't remember who she was a Gilgal. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I get a lot of questions from kids and adults and a lot of people. So, they ask questions on Hashem and how do you know? And a lot of how do you knows and giving me really a hard time lately, even like very from kids, like just a lot of questions on Yiddishkeit, a lot of questions on, on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Somebody even said that um, when Klai Yisrael said Nasev and um, so these, you know, I'm a very emotional person, but there's some very logical people, and it's a very different way of um, serving Hashem. I think it's a little easier if you're emotional, because at the end of the day, logically, you're going to have to come to some type of Muna. Because, just like logically, there's no way that there isn't a Hashem. Because, even in science, there's no such thing as something that can be created from nothing. Even the scientists will agree that. So when they say evolution with a bunch of gases that exploded... And, and all these other ions and all this other stuff the end of the day you keep going back keep going back keep breaking down going to the element go to the element go to the element and the end there has to be an element and an element can't just show up from within its own so, so you don't have to be brilliant to figure out that there has to be a creator of that first element what happened after that what you want to go into and then in the Zaire and how many worlds were before this world doesn't really matter to me um I don't need to know how everything works. I really came up with a great point this uh, on the Shabbat. We just had a very big Baruch Hashem. 760 people came to the Shabbaton. And out of that, there was about 625 girls. It was off the charts. Mom was off the charts. From Friday at 12 to Sunday at 12, 34 Shiram. From fr- 12... 12, 12, so you're talking about 48 hours with 33 or 34 shirim. Because each time we had a shear, there were six of them at a time, six breakouts. With 34 shirim, you couldn't get into any one of them, they were packed. And it just, it's just like Ichus and Mashiach, it's just the, 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 to be, to be for Shabbos, no phones, no internet, no electricity, no technology, one share after another share after another share, food, davening, share, share, share. And then what the Shabbos would be, it was just, it was just amazing. It was just like, and you know, some kids that were struggling, some regular people, 
all together, Toronto, Ashkenazim, Lakewood, Muncie, Chicago, Baltimore, uh, Toronto, Montreal, it didn't matter how you looked, what you looked, where you came from, it was all one. God was in the house. There's nothing to talk about. He was so happy. Because even if no one learned one word, but they were all together for Shabbos, and all the kids, Hashem, all the kids were in one house for Shabbos, he's happy. Learning on top of that, that's, that, that's, that's amazing. So I'm giving this whole share on, on loving Hashem and connecting to Hashem. And then we had this Ask the Rabbi thing. And Ask the Rabbi started at 11.30 and usually goes till 8 o'clock in the morning. You have these hundreds of girls sitting in a room, myself and six other Rabbeim, and they just fire away questions. And they used to go to 8 o'clock in the morning, and we used to dive in, we got smart. We made of a seeking minion. <laughs> so at 4.30, we had to just, I'm sorry, we got to go down, you know? So we'd have to be up till 8 o'clock. But anyway, so they were, they were, they were firing away. Hashem, how you know? And, and you know, even though we learned this in school and this in school and, and like, you know, wasn't Clyde's role silly to just accept the Torah? Why not? Stupid people just say, okay, I'll do it. And then they try to figure out what they did. Right? Not smart people, which is just the opposite, actually. Because, so I gave them this whole schmooze. I was a little fired up, Shabbos. I was going crazy. And I gave them this whole schmooze that was just the opposite. A baby always asks why. Why do I have to clean up? Why do I have to make my bed? Why do you want to drink? Why do I need to drink? Why do I need to cut? Why do I need to bring a seatbelt on? Why do I so I said, babies work the other way around. Babies ask questions. Adults, you don't even, you don't even need your wife to ask you for the coffee. You bring it up in the morning because you love her. If she, if she has to ask you, then you're already doing her a favor. If I have to ask you something and you do it for me, if I say, get me a glass, a cup of water, then you get it for me, you did me a favor. But if the water's here, right? So I don't feel like you did me a favor. You anticipated. One of the biggest things in marriage, one of the biggest things in relationships is to anticipate. If the person has to ask you and ask you and ask you and ask you and ask you, then it's already, they don't, they're like, you know what, I'm not even going to ask them anymore. I have to ask you so many times. I don't, I don't bother asking you anymore. To, to anticipate the other person's needs when a person comes home and there's, and there's, there's food there or whatever it is, um, to warm up the car in the morning in the, in the winter and your father gets in the car, it's already warm to ask you to do it, right? All these things. So in a good marriage, you have to ask you for the coffee, ask you to clean up after yourself, ask you to make your bed, ask you to clean up your, 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 your desk, ask you to clean up by yourself after supper. So it's like, you know what, I'm not asking you no more. If I have to, but if you do it without that, it's called anticipation. To anticipate another person's needs, that's the way to develop a good relationship. So, so we were getting into this whole relationship thing. Um, it's like, Baruch, when they had all these questions, a lot of questions, you know, especially, of course, good people, bad things happen to good people, and how do you know this, and how do you know that, and why did Hashem do this, and why did Hashem do that? I said, I have to ask you a question. I said, the bottom line is that a person who has questions on God has no questions on God. Because what do I have to do with, what do I have to do on that level of understanding Akash Baruch I know that he's not a human being. I know that the you know my brain is not going to understand him. So I asked the crowd. I said, I want to ask you all a question. I'm a Rebbe for thirty. I'm Hashem, fifty-six years old. I'm already for thirty-five, going on thirty-six years. Here's a question that has never been asked of me. What is a malach? How does he fly? How does he move? What does he look like? Did you know what you're thinking? 
Um, when you go to sleep at night, you say, Michal, Rafal, Gavriel, right? How come I'm saying that? That I'm surrounded. Oriel, where are they? I don't see them. Hashem, you don't see. You have a million questions. How do I know? How do I know he's really there? How come no one in this room ever, or watching this video, ever asked a rabbi or a teacher, what does the malach look like? How does he work? When, who's his father? Who was before him? Nobody asked about malachim. You're asking about God. Underneath God is malachim. Then comes the human being. So how could you understand God if you don't understand a malach? How come nobody here is curious? About a malach. I know the answer. No, he's not. For sure not. God, God, you were born in the image of, of than the malach? It doesn't say anywhere Malach is made in the image of Hashem. No, not at all. He's made from Aish. He's made from Mayim. No. He created him. He's not in the image of him. He created trees. He's not in the image of God. A tree he created birds. He's not in the image of God. We are the only ones that tell Malachim is a human being, not a Malach. So what's going on here? How come here nobody in this room ever asked me about a Malach? Why did you think about it? You all have questions on Hashem. How come no one has questions on a malach? I know the answer. Because who cares? Because <laughs> the human being always wants to go to the top first one. You don't. Oh, like... that's the reason. Sure. <laughs> because they want to go to the top first. Yeah. They, want... they want to go to the boss. That's why you didn't ask, David. That's why you didn't ask. Because you wanted to go to Hashem first before the malach. Come on, get real. The malach has no power. You talk about them all the time. The Malach of Real, you're a little kid. The Malach of Real went to Abraham Avinu. The Malach of Fall went to Abraham Avinu. How come you didn't say, how did he get there? Does he fly? How did he get to the world? He came to the world, he looked like an Arab. How do they move? I'll tell you why. Because he's not interfering with how I want to behave. I want to be bad. Malach has, Malach, I'm not worried about the Malach, I'm worried about God. If I can get rid of God, I have questions on God. You say, you know why I'm being bad? Because I don't really know if he's there. You know, all these atheists, bluff atheists, there's no real atheist because atheist means you learned everything and you disproved it. These are idiots. These are not atheists. Like, I don't believe in God. Okay, you don't believe in God. Fine. You know, I don't believe in snow. I live in Miami. I never saw it. I don't believe in snow. Prove me in 85 degrees snow. Oh, you can't? There's no such thing. Come to New York and see it. I don't want to. So I told guys, go to me, yeshiva, go to yeshiva, learn for the next 80 years, come back to me, tell me that you learned all the Reb Kivegas, the Ramam, the Psais, all Kabbalah, everything, and you disproved it? Hey, I'll join your atheist group. <laughs> oh, you just want to sit here, not do anything? I don't believe in you? So you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Anyone who has hypothesis in science, it says I don't want to go into a lab, and I don't want to do experiments, I want you to figure it out. I just don't believe in it, so, uh, so you're stupid. I mean, what, what does that mean? You don't, want, you, don't want to believe. you don't want to do the work, you just don't want to believe. Okay, I don't believe it. Okay, fine. You know, how do I know that's my mother and my father? I don't believe in it. I don't believe my mother and father. I think that they're not my, I think they adopted me. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't remember. How do I know it's my mother and father? Oh, you can do DNA. I don't want to do DNA. I say it's not my father. I don't want to do DNA. I don't do research. I don't like them. So they're not my parents. They can't be my parents. I don't like them. I like this rich guy. He's my father. So do a DNA. I don't want to do a DNA. You don't believe in God? So learn. Check it out. No, I don't want to learn. I don't want to check it out. I just don't want to believe in God. Okay, so you stop, you stop an idiot. 
it's, they're not really atheists. An atheist means I studied it and I proved it that it, you know that it's, <laughs> that it's not true. So you have this. So 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 what so so what what happened? I, I mean, I, I told you the story a few years ago. I had it again this week. Um, th- th- this guy came to me and says, hey, Wallace, you got to talk to my best friend." I'm like, "What's going on?" He's a guy, 35 years old. I found out that he eats treif. He's mechal shavis behind everyone's back, and um, he doesn't believe in Hashem. And he tells me all the time. If you could find a rabbi that could prove me God, you know, then I would go back to my roots. I'm like, I, I'm like, like, what does his wife say? She knows, she knows what he's doing. She can't do anything about it. What's she going to do? Get divorced? He has a little bunch, like nine kids, Khusha kids. They're in Yeshiva. He's not, he's not doing anything in front of them. The Unmoranos, you know? They're called the Unmoranos. The Moranos were, <coughs> they look Gaish and they kept Judaism. These guys keep Judaism. Keep, they look Jewish and they keep going and they, and, they, and they don't keep anything. They call themselves the Unmoranos. Anyway, so this guy, so this person that I know, he's like, you're the only one. You got to talk to him. You got to talk to him. You got to talk to him. I said, I'm not really, you know, this is not what I do. I don't wage, you know, magic wand. And you know, the guy's going to come back all of a sudden. But okay, you know, for you, this guy helps. Whatever. Okay, I'll meet him. Fine. Guy comes to my office. Usually, guy looks like a regular guy. And he sits down, and he says, so I hear, I don't believe in anything. I hear that you can give me answers. I said, how long is it that you don't believe in anything? He says, a year and a half, almost two years. I'm like, what's doing with your kids? I'm in yeshiva. He said, I'm not changing them. This is my belief. And I don't, I believe the whole thing is made up. I don't believe in organized religion. He already had the right words. You know what I mean? He had the right words. Organized religion. Nice. Very nice. I said, okay, you believe in anything organized, but okay. Um, so I sit there across from him, I promise. I sit there across from him and I'm like, so you don't believe in Hashem? He goes, nope. I'm like, let me look at you. Let me see, let me see your forehead. Yeah, what do you see? I'm like, I see a shiksa. I see a non-Jewish woman. He's like, come on. I'm like, I said, you think you're fooling me? I said, you can fool your friend. You could fool everybody else. You, you, you're with a non-Jewish woman. You're not an atheist. You're, you're sinning. You have to get rid of God. I said, let's look at this for a minute. You're 35. You're a guy. You got a wife, kids, a good business, cholent, kishka, kogel, herring, schnapps. You got the mikvah, boys. You got the chevra. You got your friends. Why would a guy like you? Believe in Hashem, believe in Hashem, and then all of a sudden just drop it. Why would a guy like that, just from one day to the next, all of a sudden become an atheist and even know the words organized religion? I'm like, this has nothing to do with God. This has to do with a female, non-Jewish woman who you're cheating on behind your wife's back. The guy turn, if you're listening to this, he does listen to my show today, if the guy didn't turn white, he turned green. <laughs> and he's like, you're not going to tell anybody. I'm like, no. He says, there's only one person in this whole world that knows about her, besides me and her. That's the friend that brought me here. I said, well, he didn't tell me. He just told me you're an atheist, because that guy didn't put together Atheist and the great, great is the great, atheist and atheist. Right. 
little 35 year old Chesha guy with a bunch of kids all of a sudden wakes up one morning where are you God organized religion I'm like he had to get rid of Hashem because if Hashem's in the world then what he's doing makes him feel guilty if I get rid of God I'm like I don't really believe in you that I can do whatever I want and whatever I can eat people I can be a cannibal there's no God what's wrong with eating people lions eat deers right it's much worse to kill people for land and then just leave them there without eating them they eat them for lunch at least you know they say you're invited for lunch they mean you for lunch you are for lunch right but they cannibalism they feel what are you talking about you guys bomb you, you kill 100,000 people we kill one a day they don't think there's anything wrong when God's not here so, so all these questions on Hashem how come I don't have questions on Hashem because I, I don't need him out of my life I'll never understand him I understand that I'll never understand him the same way and I explained this to the girls this, this Shabbos I said the same way no you have to know you have to know I'm like you don't have to know then you're sitting on a plane and your son your little boy asks you Tati how much does this plane weigh I don't know, 250 or 2,500 tons of metal. Tati, how high are we in the sky? 40,000 feet. How fast are we going? 565 miles an hour. Tati, how does such a heavy plane go up in the sky, 38,000 feet? What are you going to tell them? Physics. Oh, yeah, sure. Tell you, <laughs> you can tell them very simple. Shayfullah, if you look out the window, there are four engines. That's what I would tell my son. There are four engines, and those four engines make the plane fly. Good. Have a good day. Are you going to tell him? You have to understand gravity. You have to understand physics. You have to understand inertia. No. He's a kid. And you can't even explain it to him. You're going to have to go to college for many, 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 many years to understand how a plane of that weight can't fly. And your little son is happy. So, I'm that little boy because I don't have the brain mass to understand how Hashem runs the world. There are four engines. He runs the world. He created the world in six days. You need to know more than voracious. Because I don't, I can't fathom, you cannot teach that six-year-old, you cannot teach him physics. He will not understand, at that age, physics. He's not on that intellectual level. We are not on, even in comparison to Hashem, we're not even on a six-year-old level to understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu's level. So we have to understand and have a muna that the four engines, that however Hashem created the world, that's what's keeping us going. How, the Zaya talks about it, I won't even talk about it, how a mass of earth can spin in a gra- in gravity the earth without anything attached to it you can't make something spin in the middle of the air here without anything attached to it so all these planets there's no strings there's no wires there's nothing and they just spin in place who's holding it if you're going to understand it I'm going to understand it no I don't need to understand it unless he's getting in my way so why in 36 years as a Rebbe did no one ask me about a Malach? Because we don't really care about any of those questions. Because if we did, we'd ask first about a Malach. But the Malach has no effect on my mitzvahs and my Averos and what I do. So I don't need to get rid of him. Okay? So Michal, Rafal, whatever you are, it's fine. Have a good day. I don't need to know who you are, how you work, or whatever you are. 
because you're not in my way. God seems to be in a lot of people's ways these days because we want to do what we want to do. And he's telling us it's not good for us. And that... See, tell me when, 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 when Yaakov was attacked by the Malach, it was the Malach. It was the Malach, it was the Sultan. But was it really, was it really actually... It was the Malach, it was the Sultan. Yaakov had a fight with the Malach. We can't even see a Malach and live. But nobody has a problem with that. Nobody ever asked about a Malach. It's very simple. Because the Malach doesn't interfere anyway. So... So I had all these questions, and I get these questions all the time. So I just blew on Shabbos. And I'm like, you know what? I want to read you out of Torah from last week's Pasha. So I have Torah from last week's Pasha. It is, Vayishlach Yoshua ben Nun, Menashitim. Shnaim Anashim. He sent two men, two guys that he knew he could trust. Kalib ben Yifune, who in his speech, and that's where David HaMelech, Got his spiritual DNA in his speech in Pasha Shlach says one thing. And that's why Yoshua knew, because again, he could he sent him into his they're gonna come back with a bad report. Right? Especially in Yericho. So if you look, he says With the spies of the land, they ripped their clothing. They made a statement. What are you guys talking about? The land that we went through is very, very good. If he's very straight here, in if chafetz banu Hashem, if God wants to be with us. He'll give us this land. Don't, don't rebel against Hashem. Don't worry about these people. They're just our bread. And if God is with us, don't worry about it. So, Kalim and Yifuna, Yeshua Benom, are very clear that we can't do anything without Hashem. And that's later on, David and came from there, from Yehuda. And David Amel said the same thing to Shaul. You worried about a giant like they were. You worried about a giant? Don't worry about a giant. If you have Hashem, then we're the giant. We're the dwarf that jumped on the giant's shoulders. What are we worried about? So he knew here in Yoshua, he had to send in two spies. He wasn't going to take any chances. Who was he going to send in? He was sending two people who know that you can't do anything without Hashem. Who were they? It was Kalev who said this. And it was Pinchas, when everybody stood there and they didn't know what to do. He's the one that Hashem said, Brisi Shalom. So he sends them in, right? Yericho. Now. So they tell the king of Yericho, saying, People, we know there are spies. Somehow they picked up on their radar that there were spies in the land. I don't know how they knew. Right? So Rachav lived in the wall of Yericho. Right? And he said, You have an inn. She was called an Isha Zaina. That she gave Mizaina, she gave food, and he, she said, "Send me out those people." They came to be spies. So what did she do? She took these two men and she hid them, and she said, "I don't know where they came, but they left. Run after them. Maybe you'll catch them." And she hid them in the pishtei eights, the flax on the roof, 
Okay, so the, all these soldiers ran, thinking that they ran away, and they're actually chasing nothing. And these two guys are hiding on top. Now listen to this. They had Teremish before they went to sleep, he also she came to the roof. And she said the following, Yodati, I know. I know that I know she's a guy, she's a zaina, whatever that means over here, right? And she says, I know that um, Hashem is going to give you the land. And we're very scared of you guys. Everyone, everyone shaking. Because we heard, we heard with Goyim. And we heard that Kosh Baruch Hu split the Yam when you left Mitzrayim. We heard what you did to the kings. When we heard this, our hearts melted. And nobody is left with any spirit to go against you. Why? Listen to this. Rachav the Zaina. Not Jewish girls who went to Yeshiva. Not Jewish boys who went to Yeshiva. This is Rachav the Zaina who lives in the walls of Yericho. Listen to the statement she makes. Nobody has any spirit left to go against you. Why? Because Hashem, your God, who Elohim? Sounds like the end of Ne'ilah in Yom Kippur. Who Elohim? He is the God. In the heavens above you, and the earth under you. And now she says, Hashem. You have to swear to me in the name of Hashem that you'll save us. So I was screaming on Shabbos. I'm like, you Jewish girls and Jewish guys, you don't know if there's a Hashem and Rachav, a guy, whatever she was, Zaina or not Zaina. A Goyish woman living in Yericho is telling them that we have nothing, we can't stop you. Ki Hashem Hashem, your God, who You don't know that he exists. Prove me, Rabbi Lawson, that he exists. Prove me he's in Shemayim. Prove me he created the world. And Rachav, who didn't go to Beis Yaakov, didn't go to Midishira or Tobadas or Chaim Berlin or to Satmar, Rachav was a guy who lived in the walls of Yericho, she knew what you don't know? And the answer is, no. You know exactly what she knows. So how come you're not screaming? How come you're not screaming, How come you're not screaming, we know about the God that took us out of a tribe and took us through Kiryas Namsuk? How come Kleisrael wasn't screaming that? Because Rachav needed Hashem. Rachav did not want to get rid of Hashem. Rachav needed Hashem to save her and her and her family. So there was no reason for her not to believe. So when you don't have, and if you go inside yourself, when you don't have, when you don't want to do something wrong, then you don't want to get rid of God. The only reason you get rid of God in your heart, you have these questions. Those questions are the answer to your misbehavior. And that's how I knew that that Hasidic guy was cheating on his wife. Because there was no way that this guy that was sitting in front of me was an atheist. There was no way. 
He didn't act like one. He had a family. Yeah, if you attack it with the shik, so how could there be a god? How do you answer cheating on your family, cheating on Yiddish guy? How could there be a god? So you got to be an atheist. You got to be. You got to get rid of God. I'm sure she was helping him be an atheist. So here you have a haftarah about 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 a shiksa, and you have to look at that. And you're like, what are we going to answer after 120 years? She's screaming top of the roof. Hashem, well, like him, Hashem is the God who created that Shemayim Aretz. And what are we going to say? We're, we're Jewish people. What are we going to say? Well, I didn't know you were there. So I think that everyone needs to be in contact with themselves. This is what happened to Moravim. This was last week's Parsha. This is what happened with the Moravim. Okay. So I want to totally, I don't know if we're going to have time to do this week's Parsha. We probably will. I want to totally change the subject for a minute. I'm going somewhere I never went. And whatever, if I get into trouble for it, I get into trouble for it. But um, I think it's a, a subject, it's a very sensitive subject. It's a subject that a lot, some people don't know about. And when it's going to be played, I, I, I apologize to all the people that hear this and it's a trigger of some kind but I think it's very, very, very important and I think that we need to think about how we teach our children at home and how we teach our children in school and how we react to certain things and that you need to know that everything is in the Torah from the beginning of the world there is nothing new in this world today, there's a lot of psychologists and a lot of therapy, but it's all from the Torah. So I want to tell you a story that happened, a very disturbing story. I'll change some things in the story so the people that are involved are not recognized. Um, a very disturbing story that came to me in the beginning of this week. And the story was like this. So, there's a thing with girls and, and some boys which some of you I'm sure have heard about and that is self-body mutilation which means when somebody decides because they're in, well there's two there's two give you a little edu- giving everyone a little bit of an education there's two reasons that a person cuts themselves one to get attention that's not deep cutting it's a slight cutting in a place everybody could see look I'm cutting it's, I don't mean cutting school and coming not, you know not going to school I mean taking a razor or a knife and cutting yourself. Then there's a cutting that's done because of pain. A person's in emotional pain, and when they're in emotional pain, the pain is so much. So sometimes that drives you to do drugs so that you don't feel the pain, sort of anesthesia. Sometimes that drives you to drink so that you don't feel the pain. Sometimes a person tries to kill themselves because they're in so much pain that all that, all that drugs it's not enough, they just want out. Um, and sometimes people cut themselves in very sensitive areas that really, really hurt and very deep. The reason that they do that is that when they're in their physical pain, there's such it's such pain, they don't feel their emotional pain. So and like everybody, yes, and, and, and it's, you know, it's something that's going to be play, played in public, but it's something that should be known because there are a lot of kids that are cutting today. And parents should recognize on a very hot day if their child's sweater is all the way up to their knuckles and she's a teenager or he's a teenager, something's going on on those arms that they're being, they're, you know, that, they're, show, that they're, they're covering their arms all the way to their knuckles. And it's, it's, again, the cutting is not the disease and the drugs are not the disease and the drinking is not the disease. These are all symptoms 
and I wish people would understand this already these are all symptoms a drug user the disease is not the drugs the disease is what's causing the pain that he needs to get out of the drugs so if you're going to treat his drug, his drug use and you're going to stop him from doing drugs he's just going to start drinking and you're going to stop him from doing alcohol and he's going to start gambling and you stop him from gambling the, system, the, the, the symptoms are just going to move around from one place to the other it's just like if you have strep and you don't give someone the antibiotics so the first symptom might be a rash and if you're going to just treat the rash it's going to be a sore throat if you just treat the sore throat it's going to be a fever if you treat the fever it's going to be diarrhea if you treat the diarrhea it's going to be a headache you're going to be busy every two days going to the drugstore and treating something else meanwhile the strep is not being treated at all it goes into the blood system then becomes rheumatism and then if that's still not taken care of now you got rheumatism so now you're taking strong strong anti-arthritic pills but you don't have arthritis and then you still don't give him antibiotics it goes into the heart and then if you still don't take care of it the person dies so here you are you spent the whole year taking care of symptoms rashes and headaches and diarrhea and stomach aches and all this other stuff and meanwhile you haven't helped that person one teeny drop in fact you let him die so the reaction of parents in the chinuch world to the symptoms is oh my god let's get them out of here right but many many times the reaction should be why is this 14 year old boy in yeshiva every time coming home Shabbos and drinking till he's drunk is it peer pressure or is he going through abuse or somebody in school is making him feel really really down so he wants to drink himself out of the pain and we need to talk to him and we need to find out what's driving it and if we fix what's driving it it's over so what happened so a parent came in with her daughter and in an out of town school far away from here an, an 8th grade girl showed her friends two of her friends that she cut I believe on her hands I'm not sure where one of her friends was very concerned so she went to the principal and this is an 8th grade girl she said to the principal my friend has cuts all over her hands so the principal called in the parents immediately and said we can't handle this in our school surely she showed it now to two other kids who are freaking out even though they, this girl was not freaking out she went to the principal because it bothered her and therefore this is not a mental ward we can't deal with such a kid your, your kid can't come back anymore so the victim gets victimized which happens many times she's cutting because she's in pain so now we're going to throw her out of school cause her more pain so maybe she'll kill herself and we really did well you know she was only cutting let's throw her out of school now so what should they do what should they do so this is what they should do this is what they should have done call in all three of them two girls that she showed it to and her maybe the two girls separately maybe her separately and explain first of all the girl that was cutting she's an 8th grader she's a very young kid something's going on so we need to call on the parents and we need to explain to them that cutting doesn't just happen something's going on did you see someone else cutting is there another child that's cutting someone hurting her maybe something's going on we need to get to the source of what's causing a 12 year old girl to self mutilate 
It's not normal. We are not born to self-mutilate. It's not, it's not for Chaybahim. We're born to live. So that's number one. Let's get to the source. What happened? Okay, but we can't share that source with those two girls. So now they're freaking out. Let's say they were freaking out. They saw their friend's hands all cut up. What do we do with them? Very simple. There's a Pasuk in Pasuk Kedoshim. We call them, and maybe we, we talk to the whole class. There's a Pasuk in Pasuk Kedoshim. Because everything is in the Torah, and it's Pasuk Chavches, Perik Yates. And it says the following. V'seret lo nefesh lo sitnu b'psarchem u'ksoibes kaka lo sitnu b'chem ani Hashem. What does that mean exactly? What does that mean? You shall not make a cut in your flesh for the dead. And a tattoo shall you not place upon yourselves. I am Hashem. For all the people who are listening and want to know why you don't have a tattoo, it's Patsachavches in Pashas Kedoshim in Perich of Zion. Um, I'm sorry, in Perich Yutes. It says very clearly, you cannot have a tattoo placed on yourself. Now, why would the Torah tell us that you can't cut? Says Rashi. Rashi says, why were they cutting? Right? So the Rashi says the following. The Sheret Lenefesh, you can't cut yourself. Kikain Dagen Shalem Morayim. The, the uh, Amori, the Goyim, used to be their way. Leois Misartin Misarom they used to cut themselves when a person died. By the way, it also says in a different part of somewhere else that you're not allowed to rip out your hair, which also some girls do when they're in a lot of pain. Some people do. So the Torah knew all about this. This is not some new thing that's going on. You can't cut yourself and you can't rip out your hair. Why did they cut themselves? Says Rashi, somebody died. They were in a lot of pain. Because this person died. So they wanted to dull their pain. So they cut themselves. Exactly the same reason that kids are cutting today. This is nothing new. So here we have a chance to take girls and teach them a pasuk and say, the Torah knew about this. And the Torah understood this. And the Torah says you can't do this. Even though there's two things that are happening. The blood, the bloodletting we know from the from the Gemara was a healthy thing, but not like this. They used to use leeches. But the bloodletting brings down the blood pressure. Plus, the pain dulls the emotional pain. That's exactly what the Kananim did. That's what Imarim did. It's not something new. Shaifullah, we know about this. You're not the first one. We know about this. The Torah talks about it. And the Torah says that they used to do it, but we can't do it. Because Hashem gave us a beautiful body and a very special body. And our body is part of His body. He doesn't want to tell us, he doesn't want us to mutilate that. So we have to find different ways to deal with our pain. Wow! You can take a pussy in the Torah and you can make it come, come alive! Because of what they went through! No. Throw them out. Because we can't deal with it. Torah deals with it. Torah talks about it. Torah talks about Dina. Torah talks about everything that could happen to a person is all in the Torah. And Rashi explains that yes, they used to do it. They used to pull out their hair because they were in pain. When Hashem says, that hair is a beautiful hair that I gave you as a present. If you pull it out, you're throwing it back in my face. 
And if you're in pain, that's not the way to get out of pain, Shefullah. There are other ways to get out of pain. This is not what the Amarim did, is not the right way. To hurt your own body, to mutilate your own body. No, we have to find other things. So this, this teacher, this principal, had a, t- had a chance to teach eighth graders. Because you know what? One day they might see it in a 17 year old girl. They might see it in seminary. They might see it post-seminary. They're going to freak out. But if they knew there was a Pusik in the Torah that dealt with it, they won't freak out. And they would tell that person, listen, you must be in a lot of pain. The Torah says when you're in a lot of pain, there's something that could happen. It's all here. We don't have to be scared of it. It's all in the Torah. The Torah talks about everything. This is not a book for a subject. This is a book of life. I don't even know if the person that threw out this kid even knows there is such a Pashas Kedashim because this would have been the perfect time to sit down with these kids and learn this Pasuk and say she's going through something and she's made a mistake and we're going to deal with it and Mirza Hashem it's going to stop but now you threw the kid out so now it's something like oh my god she did something so crazy you have to throw her out she's nuts she's crazy what did you do to this child what did you do to her you destroyed her you didn't help her you destroyed her and, 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 and as a, as a mechanech, I think this is something that we have to stop being so scared to, to deal with the problems that our children are going through. And instead of just knee-jerk reaction, we have to get to the bottom of why is this kid doing this? We have to ask that question, why? And I think if we ask that question, we'll be helping a lot of kids instead of just throwing them out and pushing them to the back of the room. Everything is there. I was like, they missed a beautiful opportunity to teach a Pasuk Kodesh. And even this girl herself, she's a young kid, would feel better. Like, all right, I made a mistake, but the Torah knew about this. So I'm not a freak of nature. I'm not a cuckoo bird. The Torah had to tell me not to do it, which means if the Torah, you have to hear, listen carefully. This is what I would tell her. That the Torah has to tell me not to do it means that if he didn't tell me to do it, I should do it. The Torah has to come and tell me. You can't do this. It's mashma that, that if the Torah didn't say this, it would be a way out. But Hashem said, no, you can't do this. Why? Because it's a very special body I gave you. I gave you a special body. You can't, this is not the way out of pain. This is not the correct way. I feel good. I felt good for the Amorim. They lost somebody. They were doing it for a dead person. Right? No. You, you, that's not the way to go out of pain. It would have been an unbelievable learning experience. And instead it turned into a tragedy because this kid got kicked out and the kid who told the principal feels she got the kid kicked out. So she's depressed. She's not going back to school. She said, I'm not going back to school. I will not go back to school. Wall Street. I caused my friend to get kicked out of school. I'm like, no. You did the right thing. You went with good intentions. Your principal shouldn't go back to school. She caused the kid to get thrown out of school. Not you. Told it to her. Throw a kid out of school for that. So I just, in life, all together, a person has to go to the source of where it's coming from. You know, when you see someone that, that, that was, uh, Badichava Rav's, that was his, that was his godless. He always found something good in no matter what a person, no matter what a person did, he always found good in it. Because the source, the source of people is good. Except for Kairach. Alright, now that leads us into this week's parsha. So I don't have that much time to talk about this week's parsha. I just want to take one piece. First of all, now you did a good thing I saw this week. Unbelievable. 
it says here that before Hashem swallowed him up, because Rachel told Moshe Rabbeinu to move away. Let's see what the Pasuk says. It says to Moshe Rabbeinu, go move away, because the Maish Hashem could have, what do I have to move away for? Swallow them up. He says, because Baruch was telling them that you can't even be next to Risham even when they're getting punished. He is Suruna, may I only have Nashim or Rishama Ela, but I'll take a Bukhal Shalem and to us Bukhal Khatlaisa. What does that mean? Hashem said, right? Maisha Beno said, go away from the tents of these wicked men. Do not touch anything of theirs, lest you perish because of all their sins. One second. If I'm not part of Kairach and his Chevra, why do I, why would I perish because I'm touching his tent? Because when it comes to machlekes, you can't even be in the same room. Even if you're, there's someone, there's a machlekes, and you're just standing in the room, you're not involved in machlekes. You're not involved in machlekes, you're gonna get punished. You have to step out, you have to walk away from machlekes. So, so, Moshe Ben got up and said, if you're standing next to the tent, you're going down. What do you mean? I didn't say one word about you, I agree that Aaron should be the coin gargoyle, I happen to be touching the guy's tent. When it comes to machlekes, you have to run, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein said, you have to run like a fire. You have to run for your life. So you're in the same room, and you're not saying anything, just listen, look at these two guys, go at it. No, you're not allowed to. So you tell Moshe Rabbeinu, get out of here, you cannot be, you cannot be near the whole fire. And, and even if you're in the shul, because the machlek is going on in that shul, you have to run. Okay, this is fascinating, I've said this before, I don't know if you've heard it, Long, long, long time ago. Fascinating chidah with Gilgulim on this week's parasha. I'll read it to you from inside. Okay. So it says the following. That Moshe Abenu was a Gilgul of Hevel. And Korach was a Gilgal of Cain. When Cain had the fight with Havel, what was the fight about? Each one brought a carbon. Cain brought a carbon from vegetables. They were not the best. And Havel brought a carbon from his sheep, from animals. He brought his best. What did Hashem do? He took the sheep. The smoke went up straight. And, and Kayan's carbon that was made out of vegetables, but it was, he gave the miserable vegetables, smoke went sideways, was not accepted. So who was the Kayan, who wasn't? Hevel was the Kayan, because his carbon was accepted, and Kayan was not accepted. So we had the same thing here with Kairach, with Kairach and, and Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu picked Aaron as a Kayan. Kairach said, no, I'm just as much a Kayan as he is. Same fight. And we know when a person comes back to this world, the Gilgul, he, he comes back, in the same place, with the same Yetzirah, everything's set up the same way, has to be in the same place, 
And he has to overcome what he messed up last time. And that's how he does his tikkun. So what happened over here? What was the problem between Hevel and Cain? Cain was jealous of Hevel, that Hashem took Hevel's carbon, and not his. Kairach was jealous of, of Aharon HaKayin, and he was the Kayin, and he was just a regular lady. So the, 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 the stage was set for the same test of the same Avera. How do we know that it was in the same place? Because the Pasik says, um, Hashem said to Cain, you should be cursed from the earth that opened up its mouth to take the blood of your brother. And it also says that Hashem said to him, Ma'asisa, what did you do? The voice of your brother is crying to me from the ground. Okay, what happened over here by Kairach? She had the same, the same Avera, same jealousy, same Avera. It's, it's Kairach and Moshe, Hevel, Kain and Hevel. What happens? The earth opens up its mouth and swallows Kairach. But we know there's a mission in Perkei Avos, and the mission says in Perkei Hamishi that there were ten things that were created, right? Pi Haaretz, the mouth of the earth. So how could it be a mouth of the earth by Noah, by, by Cain and Hebel swallowed up the blood, and the mouth of the earth swallowed up Kairach? There's only one mouth of the earth. So the measure says that the Pia, the mouth of the earth that swallowed Noah, moved. That swallowed, I'm sorry, that swallowed, um, the mouth of the earth that swallowed the blood of Hebel moved and swallowed the same Pia, swallowed, because only one since being Hebel, swallowed the same Pia swallowed Kairach was in the same place. He did that there in the same place with the same Yitzhara. Had Hashem punish him. So by Nayach, by Kain and Hevel, Hashem said, the voice of your brother is calling me from the earth. So what was the punishment to Kairach? And forever his voice would change Moshe Emes, Mr. Emes, from the earth. Mida, exactly Mida, connected Mida. He failed. He had the exact same test in the exact same place and he failed. And after Kasha, why did he say Moshe Emes? And he didn't say Hashem Emes. He should have said Hashem Emes, the Tzayrasi Emes. But I don't remember the Tzayrasi exactly. He said Moshe Emes, the Tzayrasi Emes. I'll, I'll give it to you at the end of the year. It's an Elena Shabbat. Now, so here you have Kain. Now you have to know that he's, a, he's in the Shem of Kain. It's amazing. Because this is crazy. The Chidah says, which is, is absolutely amazing that, you know, anytime someone takes a shot at me, um, you know, because you know what they say, um, success breeds contempt. You know, he this, he that. You know, people, people, you, you know, people are not happy always. Even with Rabbi Wallace, they're not happy with anybody. So I always, I always, you know, you get a little bit insulted. You help people, you work for people, you work for clients. You're like, I don't understand. I'm trying to do the right thing. Why are these people talking about me like this, right? The terrorist is, I always say to myself, I just told someone on Shabbos, what do you have a title for? Look at Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Moshe Rabbeinu, after he did everything for Israel, you will never find in Torah that once they said thank you. Not once. I just asked a big rub. But I wasn't sure if I was right. I said, does it ever say in the Torah? Did they ever say thank you? He saved them by the eagle. He saved them so many times they complained that Hashem wanted to destroy them. Did they ever like, 
Thank you, Moshe Rabbeinu. No. In this parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu says, I never even took a donkey from you. And they said that Moshe Rabbeinu was chashad, was suspected of Ashes Ish, of being with a married woman. Moshe Rabbeinu was in Shemayim for 40 days with the Malachim, holding on to the keys to the cover of Hashem. Give me a break. If anybody said, told, came into this room and said, you know, uh, I think Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, I think Ashes Ish, we tell me, out of your mind, right? No. Klai it says in the Medrash, they don't let their women walk out of the tents when he walked by. You hear this? Moshe Rabbeinu. So, so where did they come up with this? Like, why would anyone, why would anyone believe this Lashon Hara? The Territ says they were a little bit jealous, you know, that he was the leader of Klaistro, but never, ever, ever did he get a compliment. But take a look at this. Take a look how Machlekes can twist you so much. And you have to understand that, that doesn't, that doesn't have even wouldn't come to Moshe Rabbeinu, right? But Yishlach Moshe, look where the Dasan Aviram, Menei Eliyav. He said, Moshe Rabbeinu said, Dasan Aviram, come, I want to talk to you. Vayayru, Vaynala. We're not coming. To the leader of Klaishra, right? Hamaakin, Zerim, Herzog, called Vash. You hear what these animals said? You hear what they called Mitzrayim? They took what Hashem called Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Zavat, called Vash, and they used it to call Mitzrayim the same thing. Hamaat isn't it enough? Kili sanu mi eretz zavat chol dvash that you took us from a, a land here, yeah, Mitzrayim, flowing with honey and, and vash. Lahamisenu ba mimbar to to um, to kill us in the mirror. Kishtara lena gamishtara mechutzafim. Right? You seek to dominate us. You want to dominate us further. Afloz eretz zavat chol dvash avisanu, and you didn't bring us into Eretz Yisrael. But okay, you're impossible. Ve'yichol moshem oid. Moshe got very angry. He said, El Hashem, I'm begging Hashem, don't accept their kabbalas. I never took one donkey for them. I never did anything wrong to them. And he had to daven to Hashem. You hear bigger Rishon than Dazim Aviram? There were bigger Rishon, there were no bigger Rishon. So why did Moshe Rabbeinu have to daven to Hashem that Hashem, I'm davening, you shouldn't accept their carbon. Why would Hashem accept their carbon? Why do you have to beg Hashem, don't listen to them? Why would Hashem listen to them? Doesn't have with the biggest Rishonim. So the forum say to teach us from here that the biggest Russia, if he davens to Hashem, Hashem will listen to him. So Moshe Rabbeinu had to daven to Hashem that Hashem should not listen to his tefillah. That a dozen va'aviram, as low as they were, the koyach had tefillah, the person davens, that they could be listened to. So he knew, Moshe Rabbeinu knew, the koyach had tefillah, so he had to daven, Hashem should listen to their davening. The person should understand, we're not, Hashem, anyone on that level doesn't have viram. The koyach that you have in your hands every day, three times a day, to daven to Hashem, or more, it's a crazy koyach, you're not a dozen va'aviram, Moshe Rabbeinu had to daven, that their tefillah shouldn't be accepted. Listen to this. So, in the end, they all die, right? What does, what does Klaishol say? Listen to what Klaishol says to him. <coughs> they get swallowed up. The Tiftahorat says, Pia. The children go down with it. Klaishol starts screaming, they're panicking. 
oh my gosh, we're also going to be swallowed. A fire goes out, kills the 250, which is, of course, we don't understand because they knew that they were going to die. They knew for sure they were going to die because only one could become the, the Kayin Gadol. And Kayak was the one that they believed would become the Kayin Gadol. So why, so what are you joining him for? You're going to die for sure. When it comes to Machlaikis, and it says he gave him a big meal, you come to Machlaikis, you hang out, you chill with the group, you, you're ready to, you're ready to, this by the way, I should have said this two weeks ago. This is the proof. You're ready to die just to belong. This is Mamash the proof. Just to belong, just to be accepted. They knew they were going to die. There was no way they were going to die. They're not going to hide him. They can't bring Kitaris. Right? The only one that says he should be a Kayan, he had a whole thing, because Yitzhak and Kahas was, was, was Kaira. And, 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 and Omen Palace's wife said, what are you doing? You, you, you can't live through this. Right? So they knew they were going to die. So what did they do this for? The answer was, they belonged to, to, they belonged to Kairak's gang. They were willing to die just to be accepted. Just to belong. Okay. So now, what is Kairak? I just got to tell you what Kairak says to them. Here, listen to this. After everything he did, that's why you can never complain that, um, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. This is a crazy politics. What this man put up with, as a leader, what he put up with, Pasuk Vav. So they all get swallowed up, right? Pasuk Vav. And all the, the entire Jews complained. Mimacharas the next day. Al Moshe Aaron On Moshe and Aaron saying, Atem Hamitem es Amashem. You are a bunch of murderers. You killed all those people. So what does Hashem say to Moshe? What it means to be a leader. I killed them. I killed them. They brought Kitar. I killed them, right? Okay. So now they're attacking Moshe and Aaron. They began to approach. They began to attack. Moshe and Aaron, murderers! You killed Kairach and his whole Hebra, right? But Yifnul Al Moed, they turned, Moshe Menu turned to the Al Moed, they all turned, Hashem, Hashem showed up. What does Hashem say to him? Unbelievable. Hey Romu Remove yourselves from this group. And I will wipe them out in a second. And they fell on their faces. And I just want to, I want, I want everyone to understand what I'm about to say. This is where, this is what we have to work on. Let's look at this, let's, and, and we'll end with this. Let's look at this story for a second. Moshe is leading Kleistro, Aaron is crying Kerach shows up, makes fun of Moshe Rabbeinu, with the mezuzahs, with the, with the tzitzes, you know, does a room full of svarim need a mezuzah, does a, a beggar of tchelas need a tzitzes, totally makes fun of him. Starts a very crazy rumor that, that he was, that he was with an ishesish. The rumor was based on the whole thing of Cain and Havel, because Cain and Havel married their own sisters, they had no, there was no other women in the world. So when Cain killed Havel, Havel died without having any children. So there's a chiv of Yibum. Hebel died, he had no children. So Cain gets to marry Hebel's wife. Right? So now, when Moshe Rabbeinu married Zipporah, you don't have time to go through the whole chidah, but when, when, he, when he married Zipporah, Zipporah 
was actually the Gilgal, the wife of Hevel, and Batya was called Batya because the two of them were actually thrown out. He brings that, I mean, I can read it to you from inside if you don't believe me. He, 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 maybe I will read it from inside. To make a long story short, when he killed Hevel, he's supposed to get to marry Hevel's wife. So when Moshe Rabbeinu married Tzipporah, he said, you weren't allowed to marry Tzipporah. I was supposed to marry Tzipporah because Tzipporah was married to Hevel, was the same way. And now that he Hevel died, I was supposed to marry her. And you went ahead and now you married her? So you're Eshish Ish. She's Chayvin Yibam. Any man that lives with the one who's Chayvin Yibam is like an Eshish Ish. So you're Eshish Ish. It was the most ridiculous thing you could say. So Shabbat said, what are you talking about? First of all, I'm Hevel, so that's my wife, so I can remarry her. Second of all, the halacha is, if you kill your, the wife of your brother, right? So the, if you kill your brother, the wife of your brother is not Chayvin Yibam because any brother that likes the wife of his brother is going to kill his brother and he's going to get his wife. So Allah and Shulchan Aruch is that if you kill, if you kill the, the husband of, of, if you kill your brother, his wife's not Chiv and Yibam. She said to Karach, you know how to learn. You know that's not true. He said, I know. But once the rumor went out, Eishas Ish, Moshe, Eishas Ish, right? The whole class was like, Eishas Ish. You have to understand what's going on over here, right? So, so, so Moshe Abbeinu says, he sends a message to Dustin Baviram. Guys, come to, come. I, 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 I want you, I want to make peace. He tries to make peace with Korach. It doesn't work. So now Korach goes against Hashem, goes against Moshe Rabbeinu, and they, and they die. And, they, and, and Klaichel sees that's Mamash Hashem. Hashem opens up the earth and swallows them. Never saw this before. So they know it's HaKadosh Baruch Right? So now, after the whole thing, instead of saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe MS, Moshe MS, you're the leader, whatever you said is true, they say, you're a murderer. You murdered all these people. Hashem comes to his defense, and Hashem says, that's it. That's it. Enough. My Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't have to take this. I'm going, Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. What does Moshe Rabbeinu do at this point? Hashem's not asking him. Hashem starts a crazy magefa. In other words, you're my man. I'm not letting people treat you like this anymore. And the Jews start to die. Moshe Rabbeinu was in Shemayim when he was in Shemayim when he came down to give the Torah every Malach in Shemayim gave him a present they loved him so much they gave him a present he walked by the Malach Amaves and he said what are you giving me you know Malach what are you giving me and the Malach Amaves says I have to give you a present I'll give you a present if there's ever a Magefa if there's ever a um, plague and a lot of Jews are dying what will save you is the ketores. If you bring, if you do ketores and you put it in a pan, the sun, the machamavas can't can't kill people when there's ketores. So I'm giving you the weapon against me. That's my secret to you. So now the Jews are dying, and Hashem says, "Remove yourself." Moshe tells Aaron, "Listen to me. I know a secret right now." Take the pan, put on fire, put on kairos, right? And if you do that, it'll stop. Right? He ran into the, right? The same people that called them both murderers. He ran in there with the kairos. They were forgiven. And it stopped. No. Look at these two brothers. 
You just call them murderers. You, he had a secret in Shemayim. He's saving these Risham who call them murderers. The answer is, Moshe Rabbeinu was a true leader. Moshe Rabbeinu was a true leader. No matter what you called him, no matter what you suspected him of, in this Pasha alone, they called him a murderer. They called him the man who took him out of a good land. They called him an adulterer. Pretty much the three, the three cardinal sins. What are they? Shvichas Damim. Right? Avoid the Zara. And, and, um, and Gilai Arias. So they called him, a, and a Ganef. You're a Ganef, so he said, I never touched a donkey of yours. They called him an adulterer, right? Never touched a woman, I never, and, 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 and you're a murderer. They called him all, everything, and, and a Ganef. And in the end, Moshe Rabbeinu saved those people's lives. And it says, it's brought down in Sefer Gugulim, that every single person in this room, and every single Jewish person, man and women, you cannot learn Torah unless you have a nitzitz of Moshe Rabbeinu. That every single Jewish person has a DNA flag from Moshe Rabbeinu. Everyone in this room has the ability to be insulted, suspected, and people who are hurting you and trying to take you down. And instead of punishing them, you need to save them. And everyone has that in him because we all have a need to Moshe Rabbeinu. It's such a crazy lesson. Everything he went through here. And in the end, they're calling him murderers. Okay, so you know what? I, I'm not killing you. Hashem's killing you. I don't have to give you a terrorist. These people were calling me murderers. I don't have to give you a terrorist. No. Did they say thank you in the Pasha? Thank you for stopping the Magaifa? No. Not one word. Not one word. We all have that Kayach. And, and these are Pashas of Lashon Hara. Shlach is a Pasha of Lashon Hara. A Maraglam. Kayach is a, is a Pasha, a Pasha of Lashon Hara. Um, the Pasha before that, Allah is Miriam talking Lashon Hara. Um, Balak is, is all about Balak, the power of speech. These are all Pashas of the power of speech. The Kayach of a person, to make a person, or to hurt a person, and the power of speech is, is, is amazing. It's the biggest weapon. A gun can only go, a missile can only go so far. I could talk about someone in Israel, destroy him. 5,000 miles away. I could talk to someone about in South Africa and talk Lashon Hara. A guy called me for Shidduch. Listen, there's a girl who lives in South Africa. She's 8,000 miles from here. In five words, destroy her, kill her. She'll never get married. And then I can say, uh, I made a mistake. Too late. Once it comes out of your mouth, there's nothing you can do. There was a, um, a big Magid in Eretz Yisrael. And he used to get up and he used to give a lot of criticism. And then when he was about 80 years old, he stopped. And people would call him to give a shir. I'm not giving any more shirim. So his, his grandchildren came to him and said, are you okay? Are you feeling okay? He said, I'm feeling okay. He says, but a person has in his mouth two fences, two gates. It's the only thing in your body that has two gates. You have your lips and you have your teeth. And the reason that the mouth has two gates, no other organ has two gates, is because from the mouth, there's such a powerful weapon that you need two silos, two to hold back the missile. You need your, your lips and you need your teeth. And he said, I always said, that the minute I only have one gate, I'm not talking anymore. I lost my last tooth. 
what he says. Maybe we take a story. If I lost my last tooth, I don't have any more teeth, I don't have a natural gait anymore, I just have my lips, one gait is not enough, I will not, I, I will not, I will not, and he never, never again spoke in public. Can you imagine that? He lost his last tooth? He wouldn't speak anymore. I hope I hold my, I hope I keep my teeth for a while. Right? Well, now they have implants. You don't have this problem. You can, you can speak till you're 120. They'll just keep putting more implants in your mouth. But it's a, it's a maybe dick of thought. The man was so scared to get up and speak in public with only one gate. The power of Shalom, the power of Lashon Hara is not normal. A person has to be, no one's perfect. It's the one, it's like one of the various that you can't, but a person has to be very, very careful. So I'm going to end with this story. A beautiful story about a woman who um, she was married to this guy who was learning, and she was working on herself a lot, and it was very very hard for her because she had a bunch of kids. She was very young. She had a bunch of kids, and this kid was crying. This kid was crying, and she just to clean the house and make lunch and do that. And and her husband, she loved her husband very much, and every day. She made her mamash a big lunch. You know, he came home from yeshiva, not, not, not have a bowl of cereal. She made him a sandwich, and she made him a salad, and she made him a, a, a cold drink. And when he would come home, she would, she would do all this for, for him. And, and, and her mother-in-law was very, very tough on her. Very tough woman, and always stretching, and always complaining. Okay. One day, she um, gets up in the morning, there's a knock on the door, her upstairs neighbor, who has like four kids, comes running downstairs. He says, we have an emergency in the family. I can't get a babysitter. No one that, could, could I just leave my four kids here for like a couple of hours? What you going to say? She's got four. She's got four. She says, okay, when the sleeping bottle, so this woman just throws at her a bunch of bottles and a bunch of stuff and, 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 and a high chair. And this, and she just throws, okay, I'll see you later. I'll see you later. Okay. She has nothing in the house. She has, she has to make lunch for her husband, whatever it is. She doesn't know what, she doesn't know what to do. So she she takes all these kids. She has all these carriages, four, two, that, and the other one. And she, there was a girl next door, and they all. Go, she goes to the store to my colette to buy to buy something, and she's like, I, "I have to make. I have all these kids. I have to make food for. Whatever it is, I don't know. You know what? I don't have. I'm just going to buy him a a falafel. I'll buy him a whole falafel. The falafel's the next door, and some French fries. I I can't I can't cook. I she comes home. Her, she's schwitzing. Her shaples half off. Kids are crying and screaming and yelling. Whatever it is, her husband walks in. He's very tired, falls asleep, he gets up, he's got to go to Shiva, he's get, he gets his falafel, eats his falafel, whatever it is, he says, thank you, you know, Shafal, I understand what's going on here, whatever it is, it's fine, whatever, you know, have a good day. He goes back to Shiva, he maybe helps her a little bit, whatever, he goes back to Shiva. An hour later, the phone rings. She picks up the phone, it's her mother-in-law. Hi, honey? Yes, mama. Chutzpah? Falafel, you get my son? She's like, but, 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 mommy, the, 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 I don't understand you. You never, you don't know what it means. I never in my whole life gave him a lunch of falafel and a french fry. That's what you give a husband who's sitting and learning? Screaming at her. She's like, that's it. After all these years, that's it. She says, could you hold on a minute? She puts down the phone. And she heard this in some kind of class that she went to, and she takes an apple out of the refrigerator, and she says, Baruch Atah Hashem, Alukeinu Melech Elam, Eats. And she eats the apple, and she comes back to the phone, and she says, 
okay, Mama, what's going on? I'm really sorry. I apologize about the falafel. Um, I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. It just, hang, it just hangs up. So yeshiva gets up in, in front of the whole yeshiva and he says, what does a mother daven for? For a boy? You should grow up to be like the Chofetz Chaim. So what does a mother daven for for a girl? Can't grow up to be a Chofetz Chaim. He said, wrong. He says, your daughter can grow up to be a Chofetz Chaim. Rosh is the one who told the whole yeshiva this story. He says, a girl who holds back, because it's mamish like what happened over here. She did everything. She's running. She takes care of this guy like anyone, right? But she did everything for Kleistral. He did everything for Kleistral. His whole life was Kleistral. It's like his mother was screaming at him. You took us out of Eretz Al You're a murderer. You're a killer. And he's like, Let's get the terrorists. Let's, let's, let's save them. Rosh Hashiva said, You can daven by the lich that your daughter should grow up to be a Chafetz Chaim. She's because what this woman did, she's a Chafetz Chaim. That's a Chafetz Chaim, a female Chafetz Chaim. To be able to hold back and not answer back, that's a Chafetz Chaim. And he said, and the secret, and it's so true, the secret of not answering back to a parent, a wife, a Rebbe, even when their mom is killing you, is to not answer right away. Find something to make a bracha on, and after that, you want not to answer right away. Don't answer right away. Go make a bracha. Say, I got to go get a drink. By the time you come back, it's the fire's over. He says, that was the secret. He says, but don't think that your daughter can't be a chafetz chaim. Don't think a girl can't be a chafetz chaim. And don't think a boy can't be a chafetz chaim. Not to answer back. And we learned this from this week's parsha. It's a crazy crack. I try. I, I work on I try to work on it. But you have to know that if you do something and people don't appreciate it, and in fact, they throw it in your face... You're not better than Moshe Rabbeinu. He's definitely bigger than we were. And they threw it in his face. So don't get so crazy. Don't get so cuckoo. And remember that Rachav, a woman who lived in Yericho in the walls, Isha Zaina, stood on those walls and said, Hashem is the God who created the earth and created the Shemayim. And everybody who's against him is shaking in fear. And if she could say that, that's something that we need to walk away with. And we need to think, like, what am I asking so many questions? This Isha Zona had no questions. Why, why do I have so many questions? And the answer is, because i got to get rid of God. Because I'm doing something wrong. So if I get rid of what I'm doing wrong, then it's going to be much easier for me to stand up and say, Ki Hashem Oralikim. Okay, so I just, um, we're back after my riv. Just one or two, there's a little piece I left out on the cutting, which I think is a topic that we needed to speak about tonight. In Pashas Re'ei, Perek Yudalid Pasuk Aleph, the Torah says the following, Banim Atam Hashem Awakechem. You are the children of Hashem, your God. Laces Goydidu, different, different word for cutting. You shouldn't cut yourself. And you should not make a bald spot between your eyes for a dead person. Okay. Why? Because you are a holy nation to Hashem your God. And Hashem chose you for Himself to be a treasured people for amongst all the nations of the earth. Says Rashi, why shouldn't you cut yourself? 
Why shouldn't you? Why lice is going to do? Says Rashi, a beautiful Rashi. Lice is going to do. Because you are the children of Hashem. And you have to be beautiful. And not bald and cut up. So what Rashi is saying here is that the reason the Pasuk starts off with that you are the children of Hashem, that's why you shouldn't cut yourself. Because you're the children of Hashem, says Rashi, you're beautiful. And a beautiful person shouldn't mutilate their body, shouldn't cut their, cut up their body. That's why a Jew is not supposed to cut themselves. Because you are Banamatam Hashem. Because we are very beautiful. And I think if we explain that to her, we explain it to children who are cutting, that the reason you shouldn't is because Rashi says you're beautiful, and therefore you're the children of Hashem, your body should be beautiful. I think we have more of an understanding how much Hashem loves us, and how close HaKash is to us. Thank you very much, and have a You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.